Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this Actually, it's not even, it's more than an episode. This is actually going to be on a video format too. So welcome back to this video format of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And today we're going to talk about how you can make more money as a college student. Yes, scholarships. And I am not a good person to talk about scholarships because I was not a really good student. So I never applied for scholarships except for one marketing scholarship. And I'll talk about that in the episode. But I did want to bring someone who knows a lot about scholarships. So hopefully you learn something, start applying for them and start making some money. So to do this, we're going to bring Jocelyn Panita Pearson and she is the founder of the scholarship system. And she is also a brother of Delta Sigma Pi like I am. So I have to give that shout out. Um, So (laughs) Jocelyn, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming and talking about scholarships with my students. I want to, would love to, anybody listening to this that eventually gets the scholarship, send us a message. We'd love to track how much money we get from this episode for students. That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> do you track, let me ask, before we get, you know, di- dive into this, do you track how many, how much your students have received in scholarships? So, you know, it's funny, actually, just the other day, I had someone email me and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, this family told me that the tips that you gave them helped their student get $8,000. And I'm like, well, could you tell them to email me that? (laughs) Because that would be great. Um, So actually, you know, we do, we send out a survey every year and tally it up, but I know that it's grossly understated because some families don't see the email or whatever. But yeah, so, so far, actually, as of August, as of more than half a year ago, we surpassed $2.3 million that our families have received. And I know we really need to retally that because actually one student alone, I know we've helped with merit money and she's gotten half a million dollars. So I'd say by the end of the year, we'll easily pass 3 million. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> don't you hate, like, hate that? Like the fact you don't even, we don't even know sometimes how much we're impacting. Like I remember getting a link, a message on LinkedIn from a guy. He goes and asks me a question. And so I didn't even know this student. So I reply and then he goes, Oh, by the way, thank you so much because listening to your podcast, I was then able to ace my interview with Walmart and got my dream job, but you don't come and tell me this after you got the job, but you kind of come back six months later when you want something else. Come on now. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, it's funny because we do this. I've actually tried to be like, whenever some company really impresses me or something, I've tried to write reviews and, and give them praise because yeah, you're right. It is, it is, it is unfortunate, but Hey, at least we learn eventually. <laughs> yes, you're right. But so tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how did you get into like scholarships? Yeah, I would love to. So I actually was not a very studious student student either. I was relatively average. Um, and when my family, I'm the oldest and my family sat me down and they said, Hey, you know, look, you know that we're not going to get any money and we can't afford to pay for college. So you've got to figure it out. And the thing is, I was terrified of student debt. I knew I didn't want to take on student loans. So I really hit the ground running with applying for scholarships. And at first I got sucked into scams. I got, I just wasted tons of time. It was a very painful process to the point where I almost quit. But then I won $500 at the end of my junior year in high school. And so that made me realize, okay, wait a minute, maybe there are legitimate scholarships. I just wasn't applying to the right ones. Or I started looking at like, what did I do differently? And so senior year, I kind of took that knowledge, kept building on it, kept building on it. So by the end of senior year, I had enough money to cover freshman year in high school, in college. Then by the end of freshman year, I had enough for sophomore year, sophomore year, and so on and so forth. So after college, by the end of college, I had received over $126,000 in scholarships and graduated completely debt-free. In fact, I even got an overage check every single semester to help for outside expenses. But the reason I love telling this story is not to say, woohoo, look at me. It's to show students that my path of getting there was not because I was some Einstein kid that senior year in high school, I got a free ride. It was, in my opinion, the average kid's way of getting a debt-free degree where I slowly worked up to it every single year. And that's something that college students can still be doing just because they have to borrow loans for their freshman year or sophomore year doesn't mean they have to for their junior or senior year. So I really love sharing that story because I think it does open up their eyes quite a bit. Definitely. I mean, I knew a little bit about you, but to, to learn that story, I have a hundred more questions. So I'm going to try to fit this in in 30 minutes. Um, I know we're going to talk about the four myths to college scholarships, but it, I guess for me, the struggle that why I didn't really apply to a lot of scholarships, I just assume that you needed to have like a 4.0 GPA. Is that one of the myths? Maybe we just start there. And if I have questions, then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things over the years, so we've now been doing this, that was my experience of getting a free ride. And we've now been doing this for over half a year or over half a decade. And uh, so five years of working with families on this. And 
they all ask me the same thing. They say, my student doesn't have a great GPA, not great test scores. Are you sure there's money out there? So you're right that that is one of the myths. One of the first myths that I always love to cover is that students don't have to be a perfect student to get money. In fact, there's some scholarships out there that don't even ask for GPA or don't even ask for test scores. And so these are the ones, like for me, my SAT score was below average. I didn't even take the ACTs. And so I knew I couldn't get money based on those. Now, you know, a lot of people, when we're talking about ACTs and test scores getting us money, that's more so when we're applying to colleges. That's where we can get money from colleges. But there's plenty of outside scholarships that, again, literally don't ask for them at all. So instead of me just trying to guess this four, because I, I won't, what, <laughs> what, what do you suggest? What is the second one? Let, let's go through them. And then I'm sure I'll have a thousand and four questions and we'll, we'll get as yeah. many as we can. Okay. So that's the first one. So for those of you that think, okay, I'm, I was never Einstein. I can't get money. There's money out there. I promise you. We've even found scholarships that say like minimum of 2.8s. So, and, and I'm not saying that that's terribly low, but that's definitely not a 4.0, right? Now, the second one is it's never too early or too late to apply. Now, knowing your audience more so what applies here is it's never too late. So for example, I, in my story, I share how I applied for scholarships every single year while I was in college. I got more and more money every single year. In fact, even when I studied abroad, I got to where I had an overage check to study abroad, to spend while I was abroad. So it, it doesn't stop when we get to college. Here's an example. Freshman year in college, I found a scholarship that was a four-year renewable private scholarship. It said for high school students only, but other than that, I met all of the requirements. So I shot them an email and I said, hey, you know, I'm in college already, but I know it says for, for high school students only. Do you think I could still apply? And even they said, they said, wow, we didn't realize you could still apply when you're in college. Yeah, I guess why not? And so I applied and I received $4,000 a year from that one scholarship. And because it was for four years, if I needed to stay for a fourth, for a fifth year, because I already had my first year paid for, if I needed that fourth year payment for my fifth year, they would have given it to me. So there's a perfect example of getting money while we're already in college. And just one more story. We have a student that specifically comes to mind with this that found us after freshman year. She was already in freshman year and had to borrow $9,000 in scholarship or in student loans. By sophomore year, she broke even, didn't have to borrow anything. By junior year, she got an overage check. So again, they can change their situation even after the fact. I, I don't know if I am upset from talking to you because I, I feel like I, I paid $20,000 worth of student loans. I've already paid them off. But it's $20,000 I didn't have. Yeah, it's great, sure. But what if I didn't take that loan out and I would have just focused on, especially because I know, I guess we might be jumping forward, that you were telling me that it's about the story sometimes. Like it's not so much about the GPA as the story. I have an awesome story. Like, uh, and I wish I could have told that in, well, I'm a horrible writer, but I could have helped found someone to help me write them. Yeah. I'm a little upset because I feel like I shouldn't, I shouldn't have graduated with $20,000 with a student debt. You know, at least 20,000 is on the plus side though. Like that's actually not that much compared to what we're seeing with students. I mean, more yeah. like 60, 70, 80,000. So yeah, I feel your pain and I can't tell you how many people I meet that say, where were you when I was doing this? Um, exactly. At least we know now. 
Well, I mean, if you're listening to this, learn from my mistakes. Just don't make my mistake. I mean, you're, I, I don't, yeah. What's number three? All right, let's get into number three because this is a big one. A lot of students think that the best scholarships to go for are the big scholarships like Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, Burger King. Actually, Burger King's pretty doable, but KFC, these are like the six-figure win scholarships or even five-figure win scholarships. What I tell my students and what I went after is that the smaller dollar scholarships are actually better. They can still add up to a free ride. So when I was winning scholarships, that $4,000 scholarship was one of my biggest wins. After that, it was like 3,000, 2,000, 1,200, 600, 500, and they just slowly accumulated up to six figures. And this is so important because those smaller dollar ones, a lot of students look at and they're like, $600. I'm not going to waste my time on that. But an application takes maybe what, one to three hours. That's a pretty good return on your investment of time. I mean, that's a nice hourly rate. We, we've had students where we calculated the hourly rate and I don't even put them on our website because it almost seems like scammy because it was so insane, but it's true. Like one student, she got a $3,000 study abroad scholarship. She put two hours into that, into the application. Like, please tell me what job you can make $1,500 an hour, right? What's so the average? The average scholarship win is $2,000. Oh, the average hourly rate? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Once I started calculating that, I was like, this is just ridiculous. But yeah, I think mine I figured out was around $200 an hour because I spent a lot of time on the wrong ones. So, so that said, I want, I want anyone that's considering doing this, don't pass up those small ones because not only are they legitimate, but also there's less competition because of all the students saying, ah, that's not worth my time. So it yeah. actually, it works in multiple ways in our favor if we go for those. Now, if you're an outstanding student and you're just, you are solving world hunger or something amazing like that, then you can shoot for a bigger one like Coca-Cola or something. But for us mere mortals, I knew there was no way I would get that one. So I think it's, now let's think about this. The reality is so many students lost their internship this summer. And I'm probably like, what do I do with my time? There's no internship out there that pays $100 to $200 an hour unless you have like, <laughs> I, I, I can't even think of a scenario where you can make that much money an hour um, from an internship. No way. Why not spend the summer applying for scholarships? Why not? That's what I ask. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that we have a lot of families that are focusing on this because of of the situation and they do have some time on their hands and, and they should be. I mean, there's tons of scholarships and we can talk about this, about the timing of them, but there are scholarships. Basically September is like for me, what I call the, the new scholarship year. So September through August is how we run like the scholarship seasons. Mm -hmm. So for, and, and that's usually for the following school year. So all the way through summer until say the beginning of August, even mid August, you can get money for that fall. So students don't realize they can be applying all year round to get money for that fall semester. Now, once you start the fall semester, you're pretty much in the, the window where the money would be for either next semester or next school year. Mm -hmm. But all through summer students can and should apply. And, and so, and I would assume that scholarships are not affected like companies are, and they're probably endowments where the money's just always going to be there regardless if the economy's fantastic or if the economy's bad. 
it's not There's, like, well, I, I shouldn't apply for scholarships because the companies are like Coca-Cola is not going to give that scholarship anymore. It's probably an endowment that they've set up. Is, am they, I right to assume that? They're still giving out money. Um, and in fact, through the scholarship system, we give out thousands a year and we are doing it this year. In fact, it's our fifth year doing it. So last year we gave out four scholarships. This year we're giving out five since it's year five. Um, so, and, and there will be companies, I mean, just being transparent, there absolutely will, prob will probably be companies that typically give scholarships that their net income or whatever just tanked this year. And they're saying, okay, maybe let's cut back on that. But for the most part, just like what you said, a lot of them are based on endowments or funds or donor money that came from someone who passed away. So yeah, a lot of these are still continuing to exist. And they're actually, we've seen some where they're extending the deadlines because of the situation. So yeah, they're not going away. Um, okay. Four, number four. <laughs> now, number four, you've actually almost snuck into it, which is awesome. And it's that it doesn't have to take a ton of time. So a lot of students hear this and they're like, oh gosh, you know, well, we, we need to talk about what's legitimate and what's not. But I'll just to give a, a quick explanation of it, usually you have to write essays for the to for it to be legitimate because we want to be able to prove our competitiveness, okay? You talked about it earlier. If it's not based on numbers, what is it based on? Well, it's based on our story. It's based on us selling them on giving us the money. And so it does require some essays, but the good news is that it doesn't have to take a ton of time because you can reuse essays, you can reuse recommendation letters, you can get unofficial transcripts that you can resubmit over and over. So there's little things that we can do to save us tons of time when we're doing this process. So when you look at the money that I received, it looks like a hockey stick where it kind of started off slow, 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 or non-existent. And then it skyrocketed. And every year I got more and more, but my amount of work was the opposite where upfront I had all this work establishing it. And then it came down, 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 down because I figured out my essays. I figured out my story. I figured out who would write my recommendation letters for me. And so it was just a matter of rinsing and repeating over and over. So that's the fourth myth is it doesn't have to take a ton of time up front. It'll take some time for sure. If this didn't take any time, everyone would have a free ride. But the good news is that it doesn't have to take as much time as what you're thinking. When you have your materials, you can reuse them. And when you know what to do. Hey, Daniel here. Hope you're enjoying this first half of the episode. But before we move on to the second half, I wanted to share the story of Luis Guzman, a student that has gone through the academy and found so much success. Enjoy. I am here in the new office for my internship that I got thanks to the Mastering College to Career Academy. I'm with one of the um, top accounting firms in the world and I wouldn't have done it without Mastering College to Career Academy and Danielle Spatera help. Honestly, I started noticing the difference once I enrolled because previously I would apply pretty much everywhere and I would spend two or three hours to just get the email two weeks later hey I'm sorry we decided to move forward with a different candidate but once I enrolled and I started applying the knowledge um, that is in the modules I started getting um, interviews and eventually offers and I'm graduating with four internships and I got a full-time offer in San Francisco with the top accounting firm in the world a year before graduation so I don't want you to slip on it this is a no-brainer literally step-by-step step on um, how to become an ideal candidate. 
I hope you all the best of luck and don't, don't think too much about it. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. I think that's so interesting. Even just the concept of in the beginning might take a, a little bit of time, but then after a while it takes less time and you're making more money. Cause I think like that applies to so many other things other than just this system. Like, um, and so that is a good life lesson to know that in anything in the beginning takes more time, but the more you do it, the easier to get and the bigger the benefits you get because of this compound effect that you create. So makes sense why it would apply to this scenario as well. And I would tell you my story of guys, I got a couple of scholarships. So, um, and a lot of them were, I don't know why they're called scholarship. It was just because I was a low income student. And so like the state gave me like a Pell grant. Is that, I don't think that's considered scholarships though. Um, no, that's grant money, but yeah, it's still debt free money. You don't have to pay back, but that's what we would call a grant. I did get, um, the state of Florida does have, it's called bright futures. Um, and so, there is some money that goes into that and that helped obviously with a lot of it. I did double major, which d- makes no sense why I double major. Like honestly, like I just, students should not double major unless you're, unless you're going to get a C- you need enough hours to get your CPA. Double majoring does not make sense. But um, <laughs> I want to talk about some of the things that like, I, I would have, I had assumed that what would be advantage and disadvantages when applying for scholarships. Is there an advantage if you're a minority or minority or first generation student? Okay. So this is a common one that we hear from people actually that are not minorities where they kind of use it as like a scapegoat where they're like, oh, I'm not a minority, so I can't get scholarships or something like that, which is not true. So I do want to kind of flip that a little bit and just address that right off the bat is that there's plenty of money out there regardless of being a minority or being maybe first generation or something like that. Now, if you are a minority and first generation, there are scholarships out there for those purposes, for sure. Now, and I was, we talked a little bit before this and and I was explaining to you a little bit, but the bulk of the money, the opportunities for those categories is usually when you're applying to universities. So there is something called affirmative action and it's where we have to, universities have to ensure that they're being fair in their, in, in their admissions. And so a lot of universities will have certain quota to hit with minorities. And because of that, then if you're applying to a school that maybe is low in whatever it is that you are, your heritage, then you might be able to get some money from them in order to afford that university because obviously you'd have to get in on your own merits as well, but on top of it, you have that minority aspect. So sometimes they have funds for that reason. Same with first generation. Sometimes they have scholarships for first generations only. I know my university did as well. But outside of it, you know, when we're looking for scholarships, they can look for those, but that would be just kind of my first and second search. After that, I would move beyond those criteria because, yeah, I mean, it's, it exists, but it's not necessarily going to open up the doors to tons of scholarships because of that. We really want to think outside the box, like what are our passions? What career path are we pursuing? What are we majoring in? Um, What are our interests? What city do we live in? What county do we live in? Things like that. Now on the flip side, so, so that means as far as just like basic requirements, it's, 
for those that think that you have to be a minority to get money, that's not the case at all. But on the flip side, I will acknowledge that typically minorities and, and this includes women as well, but minorities and, um, and first generation students, oftentimes they unfortunately face a lot of challenges that, you know, the average student doesn't face. In that situation, like you talked about earlier, how you have a cool story. In that situation, if you have a way to share that in a compelling essay, then it could be a leg up, but not because of being a minority, but because of your experiences and how you're using those in your essays and sharing those with the committee and showing them not just, you know, it shouldn't just be like a, hey, I've had a rough life, but it should be a, hey, I had a rough life or, hey, I had this experience or, hey, I was discriminated in this way or, hey, I'm the first one going to college. And this is why I, and this is how I'm using it to be stronger, better, more driven. I have a clear plan, whatever the outcome is. And so we're taking that, that disadvantage, if you will, and we're showing them how we're not letting it stop us. And that can be a really compelling story. Do you, the students that you work with, do you help them craft like the perfect um, essay like or application? So it, it's tough because every student is so unique. So we have like a lot of Q and A's where they'll say, hey, I have to write about this. And this is kind of my story that I was thinking about and we'll help them tweak it. We also give something that we call sentence starters where we picked out like our favorite um, it's not a specific sentence, but it's more a structure of a sentence. So it's like, I experienced this, which taught me this, you know, and it has, it's kind of like Mad Libs for scholarships. So we do give that. But I think the coolest tool that we use with our, our students is our three-step writing method to help them uncover these stories. So, so that said, yeah, we don't write the essays at all, but we do give them a lot of tools to help make their essays stronger. And that's just more an ethical thing for me. I'm right, right. More than anything, yeah, I was going to say it's not so much about them, like you're like a service that provides it, but more than anything, help, create, uh, help them uncover and craft the right messaging to make sure that the student reaches their full potential in terms of their storytelling and getting, maximizing their experience. I do it's have a, like, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's kind of like ACT or SAT prep, right? Yeah. They're teaching you how to craft your essays so that you do well in the writing section. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Do you have experience, like, have, I've heard a lot of times that a lot of the scholarships are reviewed, like, by a scholarship board, so as multiple people review your application, do you go through the process of understanding, like, the psychology of why people might be gravitated towards this applications versus not, like, yeah. Yeah. So we've interviewed committee members that have given out one specifically, they give out over half a million dollars every, every year. And she has been there for, I think eight or nine years when I, when I interviewed her already at the point. So millions of dollars they've given out. And so we talked to her and we talked to others about what are you looking for? In fact, I was talking to someone else who was on a pretty well-known school board, I can't say which, about what they're looking for. So of course, that's part of my job is to stay on top of this. But on the other side of it, we give out scholarships. And so we also receive hundreds of applicants. And so we also are on the other side of it where we're choosing our winners. So yeah, absolutely. That's part of our job. And, and I'm happy to share a little bit about what I would recommend. Like, what are they looking for? Um, but in one sentence, just like I showed earlier with sharing your story, committees want to see that you are a good investment. 
think of it as they want to see that their dollars will have a return. Return in this sense means you will go to college, you'll actually graduate, you will pursue a career, and you will do something with your life. So whenever we're submitting any kind of materials, whether it's an essay, a resume, cover letter, a, um, a recommendation letter, whatever it is, that's what's going through their head. It's, 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 hey, are they going, do they have whatever it takes to succeed? Because that's who we want to invest in. And so that's something we should keep in mind when we're submitting our applications is, are, am I showing them that if they give me the money, I'm going to do something great with it? And if you ask that before you hit submit, I guarantee you, your quality of applications will go up exponentially. I just see so much similarity in the reason why a company will hire a student and the reason why someone selects an individual to be, to win a scholarship or to be granted that scholarship. It's, it really is about, is this person a good investment? Like if I, if this person gets this money, the person who donated the money, would they be proud of that? Like, would they be proud of that okay. person's accomplishment? And, and if I think about it as a company's point of view, if I hire this person, is this a good investment as well? Like, me paying their salary, am I going to get more than that salary in return? Um, yep. th that, that's amazing. Obviously, we will never cover everything in 30 minutes, right? Like, it, we will never. But I think the idea of this podcast has always been for me, for somebody listening to be like, wow, like, there, that's something I need to look into further, right? And this is definitely an episode that applies to anybody listening to, to it. Um, and so if you do want to learn more, what is the best way? Yeah, if they want to learn more, we can include a link. I have a free webinar and I go in depth on these myths, but we take it further by showing you how to uncover the scholarships that I'm talking about, those smaller dollar, less competitive scholarships, but that are actually legitimate. I show you the difference between what is a legitimate scholarship and what's a scam. And we go into a lot of little tips and tricks to help save you a lot of time with that whole process. So if they want to register for the webinar, we, we can include a link in the description and, um, and yeah, that's the best place to begin. And outside of that, you know, if you go to the scholarshipsystem.com, our website, we have tons of free blogs and free stuff on there. So that's a great place to start as well. We'll definitely put the link down there. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is an amazing resource. I really, like I said, I know you hear this all the time, but I wish, I wish I knew about this. I would have at least saved $20,000 and not have gotten student loans out. Um, the only official scholarship that I got, um, aside from the Florida Bright Futures, where I got like 50% or 75%, um, was the marketing department scholarship. It was my senior year. I was about to go to my last semester. I was part of this professional selling program, which is like very prestigious. And obviously sales is more about like your EQ versus your IQ in this scenario. And so I was accepted into this program because of my relationship building skills. The, the head of the marketing department or the, part, the marketing chair says, hey, Daniel, you should apply for the scholarship. And so I did because she told me and, she, and, and literally one thing she told me was, we get we have more scholarships to offer than we have applicants and that to me was very crazy to think because i was one of eight thousand students in this college of business and to think that they got less than a handful of applicants um yep. and it wasn't a lot of money it was five hundred dollars but i mean it did take me two hours to do and i did get five hundred dollars so if i look at it like that it was 250 dollars an hour and i learned about that my going into my last semester of college. 
which I'm grateful for the $500, but I, um, I wish I would have learned earlier. Yeah, exactly. And, and I got one just like that through the business school as well. And it was, fortunately, I walked in there because I was into scholarships. I went in there as a freshman. So every year I reapplied and got more and more money through it. And if I have, I can share one more story. I received one scholarship as well, where there were four applicants. It was a local scholarship and there are four applicants. They had two awards, but when they realized they only had four applicants, they reached out to the donors, asked them to double the money. They matched it and gave all of us an award. So it was a 100% success rate. All we had to do was submit an application. Mm. It just <laughs> seems like, you know, when less students are doing something, it's, it, it, it's even better for you. Like you definitely yeah. have to go like the, against the grind. Like if everybody's doing this, you should look at doing the opposite because like those scenarios really play out. Like it's the same thing. If a company, if a company puts out a job, I can completely see this happening. Only two people apply for that. They might open up the second role because they're impressed about the fact that the, the second person applied. And I see this happening. I do have one last question. I just thought about this because I have so many international students reach out to me, you know, so you have all these smart, brilliant, brilliant international students um, with a student visa. Are they qualified? And I'm sure some scholarships are not open to them, but is there some that are for international students? You know, I'll be honest, a lot of them reach out to me, but I focus on U.S. citizens. A lot of the ones that we find, it does have the requirement for U.S. citizens. And I think that's more so for tax purposes. It's mm. not because they don't want to help them. It's more so because it's a whole new slew of paperwork and, and tax reporting and all this stuff. So uh, most are for, unfortunately, U.S. citizens. I have seen some where, like we had one student when we first started in Australia, and Australia had some, and I know Canada has some. So within your country, you can use a lot of these same suggestions and tips, but you do have to find ones through your own country for the most part. I, yeah, I had to ask, I actually just had, so my cousin is way smarter than I am. He's in Colombia and he did his MBA at Emory University in Atlanta and he just finished his MBA, but he, again, because he's brighter than me, looked into scholarships and he was, he was not able to get any in America. I don't know if he applied or not, but he did apply one for the company he worked at in Colombia and one through the government of Colombia. And I remember that he had told me that the scholarship essentially pay for his whole MBA, but the contingency was that he had to go back to Colombia and work in Colombia. So the, the Colombian government paid for his MBA uh, for a big part of it, but if he didn't come back to Colombia to work, then he had to pay that money back. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm assuming if Colombia did that, there's other countries that are definitely doing that, but I don't know where to send you guys, so you're gonna have to do some research. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have to do some research, but you'd be amazed. I mean, just a quick Google search, Columbia, Columbia scholar, Colombian scholarships or scholarships for Colombian students in the U.S. You know, use Google and get specific and you would be amazed at what you can uncover. But you'd probably type that in Spanish, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, definitely. But no, this, is, this has been great. Uh, I just encourage you to definitely check out this webinar. Uh, the link will be down in the show notes um, because it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't learn more about this. Like I, <laughs> I'm making every single one of my students check it out. Like there's no, like there's really no, there nothing you could tell me to convince me that you have a better way to invest your time than to apply for scholarships. I, I'm sold on this. 
So thank you so it. much. What is the best way to connect with you anyways? Like if students, is it through LinkedIn, email? Yeah, if they go to our website, there's a contact us. So the scholarship system.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the scholarship system and reach out to us there. But yeah, either of those are great, great places to connect with us. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. And for everybody listening, catch you guys in the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.